downloading the Lost Earth Archive, Fact-Checking Catalog, Volume 1, Futures Incorporated, Part 10, The Theater, written and read by Margaret Pennycook. I woke like I normally did, to morning sounds of birds. But I wasn't fooled. I wasn't tucked up in my bed, in my apartment. I was in that place, in the huge garden, with those women. I stared at the wall. Like the ones in my home, light rose up from the base, moving from purple to deep red, and on to normal daylight. I shut my eyes as tight as I could. I didn't want this day to begin. Images flitted through my head, hurting my foot, fleeing the chamber, meeting Sarah, finding the androids, the aid provided by Freddy and Elspeth, the, I didn't know what to call it, niceness of the Irish corks, Windrush taking control, taking my sack, the garden, the pool, not Angel. Not Angel. What to think of her? The image of my Angel, but someone who talked and talked about how bad leets were. Not my Angel, for ever taking care of me but out to kill Leeds, no matter what she said otherwise. I turned over and lay on my back. Above me, sunshine filled the blue sky. Birds swooped and butterflies flittered. Just a day or two ago, I would have thought it quite normal. Part of me felt reassured by its familiarity. Another part wondered what it was and how much I could trust what I saw. That idea allowed another to sneak into my thoughts. The girl in the mirror. The one Windrush said was me. She couldn't be me. Couldn't. Couldn't. I rolled over onto my side again and buried my face into the pillow. I struggled for that wonderful feeling of forgetting nasty things I had recently discovered sleep could bring. But it wouldn't come. Without intending it, my eyes opened, my limbs pushed me up and out of bed. Sometime later, cleansed and dressed, I found my way to the blue and white room where we had eaten the night before. Windrush sat with her legs crossed. Her fingers moved fast through the air in front of her. She seemed intent on looking at something I couldn't see. She looked different. Her hair no longer pulled straight and tight, but crisscrossed her scalp in multiple thin braids, climbing up to a mound on the back of her head, before dangling down behind her. Her clothes, no longer red and black, hung more loosely around her in shimmering black and grey. Her feet were still coated in black, not with the strong coverings of the day before, but something softer. Not Angel's tunic and trousers were a different colour too. They'd turned from pale blue to a sort of pale purple. Some attempt had been made to tie back the curls that seemed to annoy her so much with a scarf of multiple shades of purple. She sat on a long dark blue cushion, one elbow rested on a small ledge, and she stared out of the window beside her. What she looked at, I didn't know. But her gaze didn't really seem to be seeing whatever it was. Unlike the day before, they didn't seem to have been talking to each other. They seemed unaware of me for some minutes. Then Windrush said, Oh, good morning, Madam Trill. How are you today? She'd looked up from her busy fingers but her voice sounded much less interested than I might have expected, as if she only cared a little about the answer. I'm much less tired, but I'm not happy about what might happen today. 
after so many upsetting events in the past few days. Not Angel stirred on her window-ledge cushion and tilted her head. Still, Windrush turned her chin in a similar way. Still? Not Angel sighed. Still, I said, still. It was only yesterday we arrived here. I've been through so many terrifying experiences. Being forced from my apartment, getting hurt, hearing how she wants to kill us leads, and how you, I pointed at Windrush, how you claimed I am a child. Windrush and Not Angel exchanged mysterious looks again. Not Angel scratched her head. We're doing it wrong. Windrush nodded. Indeed, I've been trying to access advisors outside, but the connection is poor. And, I said, I'm hungry. Again, some sort of exchange took place between them. And, said Windrush, I suppose you want French toast and a large glass of crushed cucumber and mint to drink. I do, I said, but how do you know that? Now she sighed. Because it's what you've wanted for the past twenty-five days. I felt my face scrunch with puzzlement. The past twenty-five days? No, yesterday I had waffles and fruit in the chamber just before Lady Protector Sabella told me I had to leave. I remember because the fruit was very good and I barely had chance to finish it. No, said Windrush, yesterday you had French toast and a large glass of crushed cucumber and mint. And the day before, and the day before, right here in this very room. That's not true. I had a horrible day yesterday. I only arrived here with you last night. I wasn't with you for breakfast. There she goes again, said Not Angel. We're not getting through. Whatever we're doing, we're doing it wrong. I stamped my foot. You're lying, and I want my breakfast. Oh dear, said Windrush, her body is so dependent on food at a regular hour. Yes, said Not Angel, standing up and walking across the room. Come on, Trill, I'll show you the food dispenser one more time. I followed Not Angel reluctantly into the next room. The design echoed the room we had just left, with white walls but green and yellow accents rather than blue. A food dispenser, similar to the one next to the chamber, but smaller, stood against one wall. Sunlight streamed through a deep-set window. There was something vaguely familiar about the place. But I didn't say so. Unlike the dispenser in the chamber, no appetizing dishes lay on the shelves. Not Angel said, Watch what I do, and do try to remember this, Trill. She waved her hand at the dispenser. French toast and a large glass of crushed cucumber and mint. A plate of French toast, covered with blueberries and cream, materialised. Then an odd sound crackled through the air, followed by a voice. Cucumber and mint are unavailable. Stores depleted due to recent demand. Please make another choice. Available choices include, but do not discount others, peach juice, strawberry juice, raspberry juice, mango juice, blueberry juice, Voice listed more and more ingredients. Ginger juice, ginger and lemon. Stop it, I said. The voice ignored me. Prune juice, orange juice. Not Angel waved her hand and the voice stopped. Well, well, Trill, you've caused a problem. I could swear I could hear her laughing, but she showed no sign of it when I stared at her. You've used up the stores of cucumber and mint. So, what will you have? I wanted to yell at her and the stupid machine, 
but somehow I knew I wasn't going to get cucumber and mint no matter what I said or did, and I needed it now. Ginger and lemon. She repeated the order, and the drink appeared immediately. She gave me a tray and lifted the plate and glass onto it. A napkin and food tools also appeared. Well, she said. I half shrugged my shoulders, being careful to hold on to the tray, unlike the first time when I dropped it. Well, what? We didn't do a good job with teaching you manners, did we? Like a flicker of sunlight, the thought I had had about dropping the tray skipped through my head. The first time? This wasn't the first time Not Angel had given me a tray and food? It had gone all over the floor. She'd shown me how to direct a small machine to clear it up. You see, she'd said, when you clear up after yourself, you don't end up quitting your foot again. The image slipped to one side. Don't let them know they might be right about the number of days we'd been in the place. I glanced at Not Angel. She stood with her hands on her sides. She didn't see that picture in my head, did she? You should say please when you want something and thank you when you receive it. Apparently not, I sniffed. I know that. Then there's no excuse. I just don't normally thank computers and androids. So, you've forgotten I am neither. I? Of course not. You are that leet killer from outside. I walked back to the room with the table, set my tray down, sat and began to eat. As she passed behind me, she said, Windrush, I've just had an idea. Me too, said Windrush. What's your idea? She shifted so Not Angel could sit close to her on the same cushion. How could they stand it, that close to each other? And yet here I was in the same room as them. I hadn't forgotten they were real. Of course I hadn't. So why did I put up with it? Apart from the food and them knowing how to get away from here. From what I had learned this morning, it was possible for resources to run out. That had never happened before the bad day in my apartment. It hadn't really occurred to me that once I found another source of food, it too might stop working. Absorbed by my breakfast and worrying thoughts, I hadn't been listening to those women, chatting among themselves, ignoring me as usual. They seemed friendly again after the quiet that had come down last night. Exactly, said Not Angel. The loudness of her voice jumped into my head and dragged me back into their presence. What she remembers are the different events. Like I was saying before, she only remembers something when it's very, very different. New, if you like. She's used to her days being the same, day in and day out. We've been helping her eat and talking to her about what her choices are over and over every day. And really, she just shuts it out. Yes, said Windrush. She doesn't want to think about it. She doesn't want to make a decision. It frightens her. That's why she wants the same to eat all the time, so she forgets it all and we have to start all over again. Precisely, said Not Angel. It hit me just then in the kitchen. She almost dropped her tray again, but she caught herself. I'm certain she remembered that first time. And we're out of cucumber and mint, so she'd had to choose something new and wasn't happy about it. Maybe it set off some kind of spark in her brain, awakening the memory. Hmm, said Windrush. I've been feeling quite frustrated, working all day to help her understand. 
and then getting back to the beginning every morning. Just, just couldn't face it again. That's why I was trying to connect with the outside. I couldn't make contact. But while I was working on it, while you were in the kitchen, I realised I had made contact with someone. Not Angel sat up straighter. Who? The androids, Rosalind. The androids. Windrush wasn't going to call not Angel Rosalind. How quickly the way these women treated each other seemed to change. I pushed the food tray to one side. Brand and Blynn didn't change from hour to hour, nor from day to day come to that. I always knew how to treat them and how they would treat me. It was safe that way. But these two seemed to surprise each other all the time, and what's more, they appeared to like that. Not Angel wasn't dancing round the room, but her voice made her sound almost as if she was. You've contacted the androids. How? Windrush prodded the air with her fingers. With my connector. It's an implant. I suppose you don't have one of these. Not Angel leaned towards the air in front of Windrush and shook her head. After my time. Well, while I was sharing space with the androids, waiting for Trill, I interacted with groups of them, preparing for Trill's arrival and we noticed my cons sometimes resonated on their wavelengths. Others had come before me, of course, paving the way for the tower's shutdown, calling themselves members of the company, and there were rumours that the androids had developed in unexpected ways. Only rumours, said Not Angel. I would have thought such news would have caused great interest. Windrush shrugged. People were afraid. There'd been scary talk of who or what, might come out of the tower as it closed down even before that. All sorts of speculation flew around. There are those who fear the notion of androids that can think for themselves. So the Institute decided to keep a lid on information till it was properly confirmed. I wasn't involved with the android programs as such. My focus was on Leeds, but I was curious. How long were you with them? said Not Angel. Just a few days. We'd always thought that meeting leaks among the androids would be better for them than us just waiting in a passage or some random place. We didn't want to spook them. Oh, what do you think? said Not Angel. Are they conscious of themselves? Windrush stood up and stretched her legs and arms. They were very cooperative, and despite each type having different characters, they all appeared to be, how to put it, fond of their leaks. Trill seemed quite moved by the Irish corks, the ones who looked like her parental pair. Trill, what happened to Madame Trill? In the catacomb. The what? said Not Angel. She'd been pacing round the room, but now she stopped. The catacomb. It's where the androids used to be stored when terminated. But with all the changes and them needing a new place to gather, they've made a place where they wait. Wait? For what? The end of the tower, I suppose. Windrush stopped her exercises. As I was saying, Trill showed some quite emotional attachment to a female called Moira, who in turn seemed to express her own emotion. It quite surprised me, despite what I'd heard. So, said Not Angel, you think the androids have developed consciousness? I think so. 
The other members of the Institute must have thought so, because they gave them choices about their future. Why do that if they can't really think? I wish I'd studied more about the possibility. Did you expect that to happen? Not Angel went to push back her strands of hair, but they were neatly tied away. She looked almost startled. No, she said. We never thought android programs might develop on their own. Of course, we'd always known that people in the past had feared intelligent machines, but we felt we'd taken care of that. We made them to seem human-like, so it is possible they were just following their programming. Since I revived, I've seen images of these androids. I did think something had happened. That's the other part of my work, to see what it is. But I haven't encountered them in the way you and Trill have. I may be wrong about them. She turned to look at me. Trill, what do you think about the androids? Huh? So she did know I was still there. What do you mean by consciousness, I said. Windrush smiled at me, not in that way that made me feel she was superior. Just smiled like she was trying to help. It means the androids know they exist, that they can think individual thoughts. They see each other as individuals, just as you know you are Trill, I am Windrush, and Rosalind is Rosalind. And Crander is Crander, and Blin was Blin, said Not Angel. Blin was. Blin had died. Again I felt a strange emptiness. Not Angel pulled out one of the other chairs around the table, though not too close. Look here, Trill. I think this is very important. You know much more about the androids than Windrush, and you've experienced them much more recently than me. You've known them all your life. What do you think about the androids? I took several deep breaths. Thinking about Blin had already made me feel odd, and now Not Angel had me thinking about Sheila and Gus, his teasing and her telling him to stop and be nice to me. Until the past few days, I never minded when they weren't there. That's how it's supposed to be. Leets live with their parental androids until they're ready to live alone. We were prepared for that, even when they hadn't come for last fortune day. I'd always thought they would come again the next time. For some strange reason, I felt tears in my eyes. I blinked. I even remember thinking that it was one of Sheila and Gus's jokes to send in those Anglo-Aristos, and that they would arrive any time soon, laughing and smiling with their voices and their eyes. Windrush and Not Angel actually listened as I told them this. And I never thought about them like you're talking. They were just there. When I was very young, and then on Fortune Day, I thought they always would be. Not Angel lifted her hand as if to touch me, but didn't. It sounds like, despite what you thought, deep down, you were quite attached to your parental android, she said. A voice sounded softer than usual. What did you think when you met the Irish Corks? Did you think you might replace Gus and Sheila with one of those pairs? Did I? I sat still, thinking, and the others were quiet too. I clutched my hands near my mouth. Moira was very friendly, and her mail seemed nice too, and though I think... They would have taken good care of me if I'd asked them. They wouldn't have been Sheila and Gus. Windrush joined us at the table. Why 
did you always make them sound like one person when you say their names, she said. I didn't know they had names until I met Elspeth and Freddy. I don't know which is which. Ah, oh, said Windrush, I didn't realise. Sheila is your female and Gus is your male. Really? I said, did you meet them? No, I just recognised the names as male and female. She paused and sort of half smiled. I would say you missed them. She must have seen some puzzlement in my face because she added, It seemed like you would have liked to have had them with you back in the catacomb, but they weren't there. I nodded and sniffed. I think they've gone outside. she mentioned. Wipe your eyes, Trill. Perhaps we can find them. A wave of hope fountained through me. Really? What can we do? When can we start? Not Angel smiled. How about now? she said. Again, Windrush looked at her hands intently, twirling in her fingers, complicated patterns. In a small while, she looked up at us. Success! Moira is on her way here. And she isn't alone. Really? I jumped up and headed for the door. No rush, Trill, said Not Angel. It will take even androids a little while. But we went straight out to sit beside the pond to wait for them. After what seemed a long time, I asked why they hadn't arrived yet. It won't be long, said Windrush. We took several hours, but they can travel quicker than us, and they won't stop for a picnic. When Not Angel questioned her about who else was coming with Moira, Windrush just said, wait and see. I felt pleased, excited, I believe is the word, to be seeing Moira again. It felt as if they would never arrive. We waited and waited. I asked over and over when they would come. The others kept saying, soon and not long. And then she was there. I even walked quickly towards her when she appeared in the doorway. I didn't stop to think if it was actually her. Moira! Trill, how lovely to see you again. You look well. Just look at those pretty clothes. I really wanted to hug her, which was very odd, and I felt a bit awkward about doing so. But I did it anyway. She was soon surrounded by other androids. At first I thought they were all Irish corks, but several rows back I caught sight of some Anglo-Aristos. I wasn't near enough to ask if they included Freddy and Elspeth. There were one or two other types of androids I didn't recognise as well. Amazing, said Not Angel, moving from one android to the next. Your types all look alike at first glance, and yet there are definitely differences. You have a flower in your hair. Your jackets are different colours. And you have names. We didn't give you names. Just types. The space soon filled, and Windrush directed us all to follow her through another archway, down a path, and into a circular place sunk into the ground. Set into the walls and plants were rows of light-coloured wooden seats, rising one above the other, and each row a bit further back than the one in front. In the centre lay an empty space. 
We followed Windrush down the steps, arranged in three places round the circle, and the androids slipped into the rows. Windrush and Not Angel stood in the centre. I sat beside Moira at the front. The androids made little sound, but someone said, What is this place? Windrush turned back towards the voice. It's an early performance space, a theatre built before leets began to fear each other's presence. Plays were performed, music and dance. The acoustics are excellent. I can speak from this spot, and without raising my voice, I can be heard by anyone. We can hear you anyway, said one of the androids higher up. Our earring systems are much better than the human ear. Of course, said Windrush. I'd forgotten. Sorry. I'm really happy to see you, I whispered to Moira. I don't like being with these two outsiders. It might be hard to get along with outsiders, but we found many of them are fine, said Moira, and Supervisor Windrush treated us with respect. I'm sorry you've not been comfortable with the other person. I think she's out to kill Leeds, I said, a bit louder than I intended. One of the males seated behind us leaned close into us. Excuse me, ladies, but would that be Dr. Rosalind Yates? I liked the sound of being called a lady. Not Angel strolled towards us. Yes, that's me. Who wants to know? The male stood. I'm Con. This is my partner, Nora. We turned to see who he meant. The Irish cork female beside him looked so like Moira and my female. Sheila, yes, Sheila. Yet there was something slightly different about her, as if she felt she wished everyone would stop looking at her. Come to that, Con, charming as he was, seemed just a bit less, how to put it, sparkly than Gus. So, said Moira, you'll be one of the makers? Not Angel nodded. I was on the team, yes. How did you know? Con indicated Nora again. She was looking through old records, books and vids. She was asked. Whatever for, said Not Angel. Leeds don't normally take an interest in history. It wasn't the ones in the upper tower, said Con. He looked as if he didn't want to say any more. Nora shrank down in her seat. Not Angel moved towards her and grasped her hand. Nora, please come and join us down here. The android did as she was asked. Con followed them. Not Angel took hold of Nora's arms and stared intently at her face. Nora, are you saying? Did you... Have you had contact with the rebels? It was an accident. Nora was taller than Not Angel and almost certainly stronger, but she almost looked afraid of her. She didn't do anything wrong, said Con, leaving his place to stand beside Nora. No, said Moira, nothing wrong. The other androids seemed to murmur this thought to each other, and soon they were all saying, Nothing wrong, nothing wrong. At first in turn, so it echoed round the crowd, then suddenly all together in a low chant, No, nothing wrong. When they stopped, Not Angel said, I'm sure you did nothing wrong, Nora. But perhaps some old programs did not encourage you to enter certain parts of the tower. Nora blinked. Con nodded. Something like that, he said. Not Angel's hand slid away from Nora. She seemed less frightening, but she still fixed the android with an intense stare. Please, go on. Tell me what happened. They'd had a problem. They were moving into more space. 
but they couldn't quite build what they wanted. They tried to fix it themselves, but it wasn't strong enough. It collapsed. People were hurt. Somehow they tuned into my communication systems, asking for help from each other. But I heard them. I was programmed to respond to human demands, especially for help. Of course you were, said Nut Angel, and you found them. I did, yes. I followed the signal. I was the first to find them. But quite a few others came after. When I called them, Con, Sheila, Gus, a few Anglo-Aristos and some Aristo-Franks, most of these, she waved an arm that included the rest of the androids. They looked quite different from the leets we normally care for. Males as well as females, tall, short, medium, all sorts of hair and eye colours, even some shades of skin. They lived differently too, not all separate, and the women gave birth themselves. When we finished helping them with the construction problems, they said they wanted to know more about their origins. They asked me to find out what I could in old records. In long, slow breaths, not Angel almost whispered, So, they survived. Angel turned away. She stood quite still. Then she placed her hands over her face. Windrush moved beside her and touched her arm. What was it with these outsiders? They had to keep touching all the time. Are you all right, Rosalind? Not Angel didn't seem to hear her at first. Then she turned and looked at Windrush, but almost as if she couldn't see her. Yes. Yes. I'm fine. Just, just shocked. We hope to give the rebels a chance to survive, and it sounds like they have. Perhaps they're even thriving. I remembered those groups of young people singing and chanting, their lovely faces smiling and laughing before those others had beaten them to the ground. I whispered to Moira, I saw them on a vid. Not Angel showed me. Leets under attack. It was horrible. Moira placed her hand on mine. I've seen that too, darling, she said. It was horrible. Very nasty. I'm sorry you had to see it. She patted my hand. So, tell me, who is not Angel? I pointed. That woman over there. Dr. Yates. Rosalind. I told you she wants to kill Leets. You think so, said Moira. Without it, my love. She said she wanted humans to be rid of leets. Moira leaned towards me. Humans do say some strange things sometimes. Why do you call her not angel? I don't know why. I felt a bit, a bit, well, silly when Moira said it out loud. No one knew that I called her that. She looks like my angel, the one who used to look after me before all the dreadful things started happening. But she's not good like my angel. My angel's disappeared, and they said she was just a computer program and wasn't real and can't come back. Moira nodded. Ah, I see. 
And you don't have Sheila and Gus either. Tears began to fill my eyes again. Not Angel. No, Rosalind. I would call her Rosalind from now on. Rosalind said we could look for them. I thought that's why they brought you here, to help, but she seems to have forgotten. I think she's a bit overcome. It happens to humans. Sometimes when they're sad, like you just now, or happy like she is. How did Moira know Rosalind was happy? She looked like she might cry too. Yet she seemed to recover after a short time. She walked back to Nora and Con, though she didn't grab at Nora this time. I noticed she was biting her lip. What an odd thing to do. Please, she said, do you know how many rebels are there? In unison, all the androids replied, 4,793. The loudness of the sound made me jump. Moira squeezed my hand. Foof, said Windrush. That was loud. Sorry, said Moira. We don't often do that. But we could tell Dr. Yates really wanted to know. Not Angel turned in a circle, her arms open wide. Indeed, I did. Thank you all. But tell me, Nora, Moira, are they well? Nora smiled, not in the broad way that others did, but in a sort of quiet way that made her eyes look very bright. They're very well, Dr. Yates. Your team gave them plenty of guidance about health, food, and tools to enable them to build the environment they wanted. Your name has been passed down through generations. They say to their children things like, Dr. Yates wouldn't like that. Dr. Yates would be pleased you did that. Oh dear, said Rosalind. I'm not sure I like the sound of that. They don't know me, or what I would like or not like. Nora shook her head. They wanted to know more about what you had done and why. That's why they asked me to find out about their origins. But from what I've read about you, she paused and stepped a little closer to Rosalind, I don't think they're very too far wrong. I've seen many vids where you say what you think. Rosalind looked astonished. I couldn't stop myself. You do talk and talk. Laughter rippled round the theatre. At first I thought they were laughing at me. Then I saw they were laughing at Rosalind, who didn't seem at all cross about it. Windrush had a hand over her mouth as if she didn't want to let the sound escape from her. Even Nora smiled a little. Dr. Yates, these people admire you and others of your team, and from what I see, they're the better for it. They treat each other with kindness, sharing work, taking care of each other. They've never met androids before, but they treat us as people like themselves. She stopped for a moment, but no one, not android or human, spoke. I like them, she said. The place felt as if something warm and pleasant had floated down and wrapped us all in it. Windrush was the first to break the silence. She raised her arm, as she had before, in the catacomb, and all the androids turned towards her. Androids, thank you for coming here in answer to my request. I have been wondering about you. I had heard from colleagues that you had evolved from your original programming into beings who could think for yourselves. I think it's clear you have. No one predicted that. Do you know why it happened? 
The androids looked at each other, and then behind them. One of the male Anglo-Aristos stood up. Was it Freddy? No, I didn't think so. Ah, yes, he said. I made a little hobby of this, looking into the family background, as it were. Not clear exactly how androids started to evolve, but certainly it appears, though the original codes for our programs were supposedly written to prevent such development, there was, to use a technical term, wiggle room, due to the requirement for us to respond to the needs of infant leaks. For some reason, he held his chin between his fingers and thumb of one hand. In addition, of course, there was the need for our programs to allow us to be somewhat flexible, given the prior situation I have outlined. Do get on with it, George, said the female Anglo sitting beside him. He glanced at her. I'm doing my best here, my dear. But to sum up, we were already developing, but Nora's discovery of the, uh, people you call the rebels seemed to speed it all up. Any questions? He looked from Windrush to Rosalind. Yes, said Windrush. Why didn't any one of you tell my colleagues or myself that you had made contacts with these leaks? Again, there was a silence. One of the different-looking androids called from near the back. Because you did not ask. Ah, said Windrush. So this is why so many of you have chosen to stay and help the humans. I remember thinking it seemed quite a large number of you when very few of the upper tower remains to be evacuated. And I didn't ask. I too have a question, said Rosalind. Uh, what do these leaks call themselves? The android George looked across at Nora, as did the others. They call themselves the Inheritors, she said. They believed they were the only humans left. They say they have inherited the tower. I wasn't allowing that. I jumped up and walked towards Nora. But they haven't inherited the tower, I said. It belongs to me, and Crander, and even Sarah. The company made it for us. Did you tell them about the other leaks in the upper tower? Humans like Trill here, said Windrush. Moira shook her head. There was no need. They were happy as they were. But, said Windrush, Rosalind spoke over her. It sounds like you had their best interests at heart. This is wonderful. And Trill, don't you remember how you, Crander, Blynn and Sarah came into being? I explained how we used the genes from those rebels to create you. You are related. The rebel leaks, whose descendants call themselves the Inheritors, they are your family. End of part 10. Subscribe for future updates. Share this record to promote future historical research and to support continued restoration of this vital project. Terminating Connection 